Dr. Jacqueline Duget. Welcome to What is Black podcast that focuses on issues important to raising healthy and thriving Black children and adolescents. As a pediatrician and mom of color, I saw the need to create an additional educational platform to reach parents raising kids of color to address issues and challenges that are not always discussed in the pediatrician's office. Thank you for joining us for this week's conversation. Welcome to this episode of What is Black Podcast. I am excited to have with us today um, Kevin Noble Mallard. Um, Kevin is the debut author of Fry Bread, which was published by Roaring Brook, Brooke McMillan. He is also a regular writer and former contributing editor to the New York Times. With additional writings in The Atlantic, The Essence, and The Week, Kevin is also a tenured professor of law at Syracuse University and... He is joining us today. So welcome, Kevin, to this episode. Thanks so much for having me on today. I was wondering if you could provide just a brief summary of your book, Fry Bread. So uh, this is a book about, uh, obviously, Fry Bread, which is a Native American uh, cultural um, interest. I don't know if I would say tradition because not everyone does it, but I would say the majority of Native families uh, eat fry bread. And so fry bread originated with the Navajo or the Diné people. And they, when they were removed from ancestral lands, they were in a new place, right? They had these lands taken from them. They were completely separated from everything that was familiar to them. So that was the geographic area. So then that meant that they didn't have the familiar foods that they normally had all of the time. So what happened was that the government gave them commodities, regular staple foods like flour, sugar, salt, and so from these ingredients, fry bread was born. So fry bread is a food of survival, and it's something that these early people made out good out of what little they had. And so I see fry bread just the even eating fry bread. It's like a communion of sorts, right? Just like when you go to church, um, if you are uh, in a Christian church and you have communion, it's there to commemorate something that happened before, right? You imbibe of the wine, uh, you do the, the bread, the little wafer, and so it's connecting you with the past. So I see that every time someone eats fry bread now, which is usually not a story of survival uh, in the current moment when someone is eating fry bread, they're just eating it because it tastes really, really good. But it connects us to uh, our ancestors and it connects us to uh, those elders that came before us. So when I wrote this book, it was about how can we bring together uh, this Native story and something that can be familiar with all people that aren't even Native. Because I think every culture has some type of staple food that's what I would call an argumentative food, right? Because like, if you have chicken or barbecue, or if you're Greek, it might be like baklava, or um, if you're Jewish, it might be kugel. The way that you came to love that dish, that item, that culinary item, was probably from some old lady in your family, 
right? Like your grandma would have made it, your aunt would have made it. And that becomes the way that you judge all of the other types of food that come in front of you, right? So then it could be like, my grandma makes the best hummus in the entire world, in your own opinion, but somebody else would say that their grandma makes the best hummus in the entire world. So whether this is something like pizza, it could be someone's special meatballs or ziti, fry bread is the same way. And the only thing that everyone can agree on with fry bread is that everybody else's version is wrong, right? <laughs> so the yeah. way that I made fry bread uh, and that the way that I learned to make it from the old ladies in my family is very different than what some other people make as fry bread. So the book is about how fry bread is made and how fry bread is different for everyone. It, it's different shapes. It has different ingredients. It might even be different colors. And I like to say that like, you know, fry bread can be like light brown. It can be darker brown. It can be kind of like, you know, reddish brown in color. But I see fry bread as one, a story about persistence and resilience, right? Because it says that here's something that joins all native people together. Here's something that, that we can be unified on. But then the great diversity of the ways that people make fry bread is also the great diversity of the ways that people can be native in the United States. People can live in cities. They can live in suburbs. They could live on reservations. They could be of a trillion different ancestries. So just as you might think like fry bread is supposed to look a certain way, there might also be these presumptions that natives are supposed to look a certain way. So a native person might be like kind of, uh, tan skinned with long black hair that's either in a braid or, you know, cascading down their back. They live in Arizona um, and they live on a reservation. But 78% of natives in America live in urban metropolitan areas. And the majority of these people that are native are mixed with other ancestries and maybe even other tribes. So there's such a great, massive heterogeneity of native people in America. And just the way that fry bread is so different, native people are different. So it's a way for people to talk about native culture, but it's also a way to talk about native identity. I found this book more of as like a metaphor, the, you know, just the actual bread, as you, as you, as you also said, in terms of what people think of fry bread and what people think of Native Americans, right? This book sort of challenges people's generalizations or stereotypes of that, which I think, which I think is always good, right? I think we need to push people's ideas of, um, of who, who, who we are individually, right? And then you get to define who you are as opposed to someone else stamping you with an identity, which I find um, I think is a, is a great lesson um, in the book as well. 
Yeah, and that comes through in the illustrations. So my illustrator is Juana Martinez Neal, and she's a Caldecott honoree and Pura Belpre um, medal winner. Uh, so she's this fantastically credentialed um, artist, and she just draws these wonderfully warm pictures of people and you can just see the love and the affiliation and the warmth that is between the characters. And one of my main goals in, uh, in representing the people in Freiburg, because this is a story about a native family, is I wanted to see a multiracial native family. So we have characters in the book. Everyone in the book is native but everyone looks completely different, but they're all related to each other. There's a kid there that has blonde hair and blue eyes, right? You might think like, oh, who is this Swedish boy that just ended up in this book about Native people? There's someone there uh, that looks more African-American, and that would be me. The illustrator put me in the book. She put my children in the book. Uh, they'll have representations of my children. Some of the people in the book have red curly hair. Others uh, might have um, straight black hair. The skin colors are all different as well. But they're all in that together. And you can see this common relation through this one uh, native uh, elder woman. And she's on the cover of the book. It's, you know, what people think of as a old Indian lady. She has long hair. She's tan skin, but she's also holding her granddaughter who is a little white skin baby with red curly hair. And so it's kind of like this ambiguity of who the baby is and who she belongs to. But then you can see through the pictures that they're all related to each other. And so I love seeing the comments that people have on Twitter or on Facebook or on comment sections of some of these websites where they say like some of the people are native and some of the people are not. But all of the people there are native, but it's just challenging what people believe and presume to count as Native American. One of the most interesting um, statistics about Natives is that the highest population for Native people in America for any town or city is, can you guess what it is? Oh, man. I'll say... Chicago. <laughs> You're real close, right? Okay, okay. A lot of people, I think, would say something like Phoenix. Um, they would say uh, maybe like Navajo uh, Nation. But the highest population for natives in the United States is New York City. Oh, okay. That was going to be my first guess, but okay. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah. So, so then like when you think of native land or like where native people live, you're not really thinking of the sea train, right? You're not mm -hmm. thinking of Queens and Brooklyn, but there are like over 100,000 native people living in New York city alone. And so I think like the way that we come to learn what native people are, who they are, it's really stuck in wh what we acquire in elementary school. So part of the reason I wrote the book is to 
intervene in that early acquisition of knowledge about Native people that we get in second grade, third grade, when we're learning about Thanksgiving in the month of November. Because what is it that we learn about? We learn about pilgrims. We learn about turkeys. Uh, people don feathers, you know, in their schools. Uh, and then we have this meal, right? This mythical meal where the natives and the pilgrims all ate together. Everything was happy and everybody was welcoming. And that education about native people stops at that point and people don't know a lot more. So I wanted to offer something that would be able to be offered in these early years. And then also the parents that are reading this, they're learning a lot about all of this stuff too. So I think that when there is an opening at an earlier point in time of, oh, natives can live everywhere. They can uh, look like anything, right? They have all of these different um, traditions. And most importantly, that this is a current living, contemporary, modern story about Native people, and it's not something that was mired in the past. So someone um, at one of the talks that I was giving about fry bread, they had said there was a, that there was a recent poll, and it was that the majority, the results of the poll were that the majority of Americans believe that natives died out hundreds of years ago, which is appalling, right? But then that is the vision of what we get in elementary school because we're looking at Thanksgiving, we're looking at November, we're looking at pilgrims, right? The pilgrims lived a long time ago. These people that had dinner with them at Thanksgiving they lived a long time ago, but we don't learn anything about what comes after that. We don't know, know about what happens like when Native people go to school. What happens when Native people get a new dog? What happens when Native people like to cook cookies or even fry bread with their grandma? So I wanted to present a story, and just as my illustrator, Juana Martinez-Neal, did as well, we wanted to bring something together that was about, this is what people look like today, this is what they do today, and we're these kids and these adults in this story, there's something that we can relate with on a daily basis, right? Look at them. They're cooking. Look at them. They're wearing sneakers. Look at them. They're wearing blue glasses, right? Just like all of these things that people do today, instead of looking at these native people that are only wearing buckskin, they're only wearing feathers, they're only having beads. Yes, that's a part of native culture, but it's not the only story. And so I think what fry bread does, it subtly introduces this idea of, you know, natives, they're just like us. So I think that anyone that's reading this book can see, okay, yeah, I cook dinner with my grandma. We might have a food that is in our family that is really important to us and might define who we are. And so we're not seeing this culture as something that's far away, kind of geographically, and then also temporally, but it's something that brings us 
together and I'm trying to establish a commonality between the characters in the book and the people that are reading it. For your writing journey, for you know, creating the book, has it helped you and your family um, further explore both your African-American and Native American histories and heritages and maybe additional multicultural heritage that you, heritages that you may you may share? Oh, that's a that's a great question. The first thing after I wrote the book, now I've become the fry bread lady of my family. Okay. <laughs> because like I wrote the book, so now every time I show up people are like, "Did you bring fry bread?" And I'm like, "Oh, okay. I guess I'm making it now." Um, but it does uh beg the question of, okay, who was it that had this recipe, right? How did she do it before? Can we explore any other meals? So my family really likes food. I think a lot of families really like food, but my mother was, um, my mother is almost 90 now. Uh, so w- when she went to college, she went to Hampton University. So she came to Hampton from Seminole Nation of Oklahoma. Uh, and then she went back to Oklahoma and she's lived there ever since. But at Hampton, she was a home economics major, right? So she went to Hampton in the 1950s and I don't, I doubt they have a home economics major now, but her whole thing was cooking and meal planning and nutrition. And so she's always been very interested in how people eat, what they eat, how they plan what they're going to eat. So it's made us think about other foods that we might bring into, you know, our dinners, our family gatherings, other ways that other people could participate in these dinners. So I think that it sparked a conversation in our own family about some of these issues. And some of the stuff that I wrote about in the back matter, that's the adult section at the end of the book where people can read more uh, about what goes on in the text of the manuscript. So she's been asking me a lot of questions. And so I have other people in my family like, oh, I didn't know that origin story, or I didn't know that uh, there were um, 573 recognized tribes, federally recognized tribes, and another 100 or so state-recognized tribes. So I think everyone is continually learning uh, from this book, and I love that the learning is starting in my own family. So if it's def, if it's starting there, it's definitely, uh, being introduced in other families, uh, people who I'm, who I have yet to meet. That's awesome. So are there any other books that, um, that, or any other projects that you're working on? Oh yeah. So the next one, um, I actually have to do this this afternoon, uh, because, uh, both my agent, my literary agent and my editor is like, okay, what's, what's next on the board? Uh, what's next out there? So I'm working on a fa- a, a family story again about how people are interrelated and interrelated in different ways. So it's another way of thinking about six degrees of separation, but how everyone on the planet is somehow genetically related to each other. And I think that there's so much interested interest in DNA and what people's ancestry is. And so this book is a way where we can think of that stranger that we see on the street. Maybe we're related to them and we don't even know it, 
or even we could be related to them in another generation, but that person that is connecting us hasn't even been born yet. So I love kind of having my mind explode in those ways. And I want to bring those ideas to children about how everyone is connected in some way. I think that's awesome. So f- before um, before we end the conversation, how can listeners learn more about you and um, and the books? Yeah, I have a website. It's www.kevinmillard.com. That's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today, Kevin. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been great conversation. Thanks for joining us this week on What is Black Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And for more information about the podcast, our blogs, and subscribe to our upcoming newsletter, go to our website at whatisblack.co. As always, subscribe to the show to catch every new episode. And don't forget to leave us a review so we can continue to bring you fresh content. Until next time, thank you for listening.